going to turn to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. And look down, if you would, to verse 24. I'll read verse 24 down through verse 30. And for convenience of the moment, you can remain seated. Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. Another parable he put forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servant of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? And verse 28, he said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say unto the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we just thank you, God, so much for everything. Our, our salvation above all else that we have in Christ Jesus and, and the kingdom that we look to. And God, as you stir our hearts through the music, through the words, and through this wonderful book, and through your dear Holy Spirit. Father, I ask you to bless Brother Jeremiah as he's away in the service today. We pray it be a great service. We pray that we turn him home safely to be back here in Hattiesburg this evening. And Father, I just, I just want to yield myself to you. I'd like to be invisible. And Father, I would like for you to just uh, take charge of this service, my heart, my mind, the words that I've read and what you once said. And I pray that God, that you would do exactly that. I pray that each person here and each person that may be listening outside of this building, that, that they likewise, God, would... Let you just do what you want to do. And Father, I know it'll be a great service. I know it'll be a great invitation if we just do that. And we thank you, God, that you're more than willing. We pray above all else that whoever may be in this building or at the sound of, uh, of my voice, God, that doesn't know Christ, that may be concerned, may be worried, may not be sure. God, we pray especially for them, God, that they could get assurance or get salvation. We thank you now. We praise you and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus is speaking here from a ship. I like these details. I like to kind of picture things. I don't know about you, but in school, I was a big daydreamer. I had about a C-plus average, and I could say on to a B, but I didn't. I got a few Ds. I hated English and uh, went to Bible college, and there was English facing me. And I said, I just want Bible is all I want. He says, no, you got to take all this other stuff. And so I had a nice teacher that was willing to sit beside me. But anyway, I didn't forget all that. Amen. Um, but I like to paint a picture of what's going on. It, it, it helps you as you look, as you picture the, the scene here. But he's speaking from a ship because of the great multitude in verse 2. In verse 35, Jesus talks about some past prophecy that things that have been kept secret for 4,000 years from the foundation of the world... They weren't really kept secret, the gospel, because people's been saved ever since Adam, amen? But they were hidden, they were veiled, if you will, 
the, the whole picture of the church was, was not realized uh, way back in the beginning. This is a kingdom parable. I'd like to read you a verse out of Daniel chapter 7. It says, In the days of these kings, talking about the four world kingdoms, and the last one will be the revived Roman Empire. In the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom. Amen. That's what we're living for. That's what we got saved for. Which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it will stand forever. <laughs> Amen? It will stand forever. I'm like Brother Jeremiah. I don't like all this going on. It doesn't affect my health. It doesn't affect my strength or how I do things. But, you know, one day in heaven, uh, I'll probably have all this back or everybody else is going to be bald. Amen? I don't know. But it's going to be forever. So although the kingdom is yet in the future for you and I, entrance is granted in one's lifetime. We enter into this kingdom, if you will. Our name is put on the roll in our lifetime. And as we look at this parable and think about it, and that, that's a blessing to me to know the kingdom is being set up now. Amen. We're part of it. Adam's a part of it all the way back. Jesus sets the table with this parable and he gives a picture of the world. In verse 38, in the second part of this, he, he explains the parable to his disciples. And he says in verse 38, the field is the world. The field is the world. It's not just that world 2,000 years ago. I'm not preaching yet, by the way. I know you're used to Brother Jeremiah. I'm trying to introduce you to what God put on my heart to preach about. Amen? The field is the world. It's not just that world 2,000 years ago. It's the world of every generation since Adam. So the field is the world that is being discussed here. And in verse 15, I didn't read it, but this is where I want to take the message from as we springboard into the preaching. Verse 15 says, For this people's heart is wax gross. Now this is a prophecy being repeated. It's amazing how things don't change, right? You would think after 6,000 years we'd get smarter. You'd, you'd think the church and, and Christians, we wouldn't keep falling off the wagon like Israel did you know, through the book of Kings and stuff like that. But he says, for this people's heart is wax gross and their ears are dull of hearing and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. And here's what I want to preach about. And should understand with their heart and should be converted and I'll heal them. There's not a day goes by I don't need healing. But I'm thankful I can get the healing that I need because I got converted. <laughs> the word converted kind of means to go back. The term born again. And because we've been born again, we become a child of God. But it's like a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde that we're, there's two of us in one, in one body, right? So the message that I want to preach is... God's plan and what he wants to happen and, and, and the gist of this parable, if you will, is that all men should understand and with their hearts and should be converted because he wants to heal us. Now, I'm just glad to say that, that even at my age 
And uh, I thought maybe one time I might be the oldest one here this, this morning with, you know, the, the propensity for this virus with, with uh, older people. Amen. And, uh, but I'm glad to see that I'm not. But for those of you that are saved, God still wants to do healing. He wants to grow you. And I can't spend a whole lot of time in that in itself because to get this message out. But first, God wants to save everybody. And right now, people need, it said people are questioning. You'd be surprised how many people may have, are anxious about this. You may not see it. And, and they say, boy, I, and right now is a time, if you ever had trouble talking to anybody, they may not be sure. If you're here this morning and, and you have a problems with assurance, I've had a problems with assurance before in my life, not a whole lot, but I eventually got it settled, amen? Either get it settled or get it right. So I want to preach on that. And I'll preach uh, just as audibly and, 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 and uh, clearly as I can, but I don't turn control over to God. Jeremiah said, since they're not having an evening service, I've got both times for, for this morning. And not really. I, I preach until God says quit. So don't, I didn't, don't mean to scare you by that. But let's go ahead and jump into it. I want you to notice in this parable, there's two groups of people described here, represented by the tares and wheat in verse 25. The Bible says, while men slept, the enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. So we have these two groups of people here. Verse 38 explains a little better. And they're described as children of the kingdom and children of the wicked one. In plain English, that's Christ acceptors and Christ rejectors that is in that field in the world. Now understand that we can take that and we can take different avenues and explain different positions in people's lives that are not yet saved yet, the unaccountable and, you know, the kids and just a whole lot of things. But in this parable, he gives the Christ acceptors and the Christ rejectors. Just like in Genesis chapter 6, aren't you glad the whole Bible's relevant, amen? When the New Testament came away, came into being, God did not throw away the Old Testament. There's some things that don't apply in the Old Testament because Jesus came, amen. He died once. He was the forever sacrifice for my sins and yours and the sins of all mankind. So some of the things that they practice in the Old Testament, we don't practice today. But as we look at this and think about it, just like in Genesis, you had the sons of God. You had the saved people. And then you had the daughters of men. And these became two races, if you will. And, and no, uh, <clears throat> no insult to the ladies, but the daughters of men just represents the lost race of man. So all these thousands of years, we've got the same picture here of the world, just like in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 2. Some people will say, I have not chosen Satan, the Christ rejectors, planted by the wicked one. But may I share with you this morning, whether you're in this building or listening outside this building, by refusing Christ, you choose Satan. I don't say that to be mean, amen? If, if I come down with, with cancer and I go into the doctor and say, hey, doc, I got a pain in my belly right here, and they check it out, they do an MRI, they do some tests, I don't want the doc to say, hey, you got a little belly trouble. I want to know if I've got cancer so I'll know how to treat the cancer, amen? So as Jesus gives this picture of these two groups of people, you have the Christ acceptors and you have the Christ rejectors. Thank God, John 1, 12, but as many as received him gave he power to become the sons 
of God. Amen? Boy, I don't look like much now, but I will one day. The Bible says there was none greater, Jesus says, than John the Baptist. But the least in the kingdom of heaven will be greater than him. Amen? Brother Gary, we're going to be worth something in heaven. Amen? <laughs> so we use two groups of people described here. The next thing, you notice, if you will, like other parables, it's a warning. It gives a warning. I like warnings. Amen? When I was a boy, I, find, I used to try to find a way to get around the warning and do what I wanted to do anyway. I'm glad to be here physically, amen, because of so many warnings that I figured out a way. And boy, I didn't glad, listen, I'm glad that I didn't get a whipping for all the things I didn't get caught doing. <laughs> so like the other parables, it's a warning that harvest is coming. Look at it in verse 30. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I'll say to the reapers, gather ye together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Now, if you will think about this, if just like this um, lectern in this pulpit area raised platform, before there was radio and television and, and all the ways of getting communication out, this was the medium to get the word out to people. Sometimes they called them hawkers. I had a job when I was, uh, I was probably about nine years old, and we'd moved from California to Florida, and our family was going through a bad time. Uh, there was substance abuse in the home uh, of, of the old-fashioned substance of alcohol. And because of it, things went downhill. And because of it, we, uh, we, we left a, a big house and, and nice surroundings and a nice automobile, uh, back in the late 50s, we used to play with them windows that go up and down in the cars. You know, if you had those, you must have some money in the bank, right? And we came to Jacksonville, Florida. And we lived in a three-story apartment complex, low-rent apartment complex. And they just went on forever. And there was this guy that came through with his truck peddling vegetables. You used to see that when I was a kid, come up and down the road. They'd have a pickup with a kind of like a roof over the top of the back of the bed, and they'd have different vegetables displayed, and, and you'd come by. And he hired me nine years old. And he says, I want you to go ahead of my truck about 100 feet, and I want you to, he didn't say publicly proclaim, but to say, Philip. The vegetable man. Philip, the vegetable man. Now, as a teenager, I wouldn't get caught dead doing something like that. <laughs> but I was just a kid. And I got 50 cent. And a bundle of bananas or a sack of, of tangerines or whatever I wanted. But I publicly, publicly proclaimed to the people inside the apartment complex, Hey, the vegetable guy's coming. He's here. Come out and spend your money and buy his product. So it's a public, public proclamation of danger. Now, verse 43 goes on to say, Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Do you know how many times that's in the Bible? I didn't go through and count it. But if you go through the Old Testament and you come through the New Testament, Jesus said it several times here in a few pages, and then go to the book of Revelation, it's said right at the end of all the letters to the churches. Amen? You know what God's saying? I want you to hear this. 
But you know what? You got to have ears to hear. We eat up with this too much of this stuff. I don't like that. I'm not a meanie. I love my wife. I love my kids. And I love my grandkids. My daughter's the only one I'm around very much. Jeremiah Miley, she's on up here. And I tell my daughter this guy before, I said, I, I said, sis, I said, listen, don't give them everything they want. And, you know, I mean, they don't have the finance to give them everything they want. But I said, hey, you cook a meal and set it down on the table. This is what we got for supper, amen? It ain't grilled cheese time. It's not hot dog time. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> but we got a problem not liking stuff that we ought to like. We got problems not liking things that we see. Amen? Um, my wife actually thinks I'm handsome. Amen. Maram, I started saying Maram young, but I love my childhood bride. Amen? 46 years. So who hath ears to hear, let him hear a public proclamation, if you will. It's a warning. The coronavirus warning is very serious. I don't want to get sick. I don't want to die. I don't mind dying when it's my time to die, right? Because there's no better time to die than your time. I don't want to rush it. There's a lot of people that's rushed it, amen? I don't want to rush it. There's a thing in my family, we're praying, we're, we don't pray it every day, and it's not a joke, it's a reality. I hope the Lord comes back before any of my family dies. That'd be the way to go, amen? So you, this, this warning, if you will, and we t- we're thinking about this coronavirus warning, the, uh, the public gatherings that we're cautioned about, uh, you know, the contact. Uh, I was looking on Brother Jeremiah's desk, he allowed me to come in there for a few minutes before when I got here to... To just pray, amen, and, and to study a little bit. And I came out, I saw a letter, and that's where I said, boy, these guys have done a great job here, amen. Some of them don't look smart, but they're pretty smart, right? <laughs> amen, I had to get some of that in. But they had, I read the letter and had everything from the CDC. They had taken, you know, the raw recommendations because they care about you and they care about me. What a blessing. But we're talking about warning here, and we're talking about the comparing with this coronavirus warning and all the, all the things that have been done. Can you imagine professional ball game uh, franchises that have actually canceled games? I don't have a TV, so what I get, I pretty well get on the radio and what people tell me. But you, can you imagine? I mean, this is these people's bread and butter having to pay all them guys for it. And I don't know how, what the extent is, but I mean, hey, that's serious. When they do that, I'm talking about it's world serious when they do that and how people have taken this, uh, uh, this warning uh, to heart, if you will. Colleges extending spring break until they figure out what's going on. I text Brother Jeremiah this morning. I don't have the Internet. I used to have it, but I got rid of it. It was more trouble than it was worth. Amen. I don't want to insult you if you got it, but I'm just telling you it's just more trouble to me than it was worth. I got rats in my shop. And man, I really got rats now. I hadn't set out mouse traps in a while. I don't like what rats do, right? I, I found out I can live without rats. I can live without things that, that do what rats do in, inside a woodworking shop. And that's one thing I found out that I'm better off. I can live without it, Amen. And so I don't want to make an enemy. Just the second time I get to preach here, I don't want to make an enemy out of you to me, okay? To each his own, amen? Um, 
I had a guy who got saved in our church one time, and, and I'd love to tell you the story sometime, but I'm not going to take the time. But he got saved, and like the old preacher said, he got saved all over. I think Jack Howell may have used that, I'm not sure. And boy, he got saved. He walked to church about a mile, and uh, morning service came back that night, got saved. Him and his wife got saved. Boy, hallelujah, uh, because we were hauling the kids in on the bus, or actually on the van in the country, we use vans. Can he make the corners in big old buses in some of the places that we go? And I went up there one day and I said, and I said, I said, what is that? And he had an aquarium with a rattlesnake in it, in his house. And he had it there before he got saved. And I didn't want to insult, I didn't want to insult him because he's still a good friend. He's, 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 he's on hospice. He's been at the point of death for about three years. Hadn't got out of a bed. Thank God he's saved, amen? And I'm saying to him, you know, I don't think I'd feel good going to bed at night with that rattlesnake in my house, even if he is in the aquarium. I think the only good rattlesnake is a dead rattlesnake, amen? So, the, so I gave him a little bit of warning, and uh, so God gives a warning here. The, the mortality rate on this uh, coronavirus, I text Brother Jeremiah, that's how we get on the internet, right? This morning, going down the road, and uh, I said, son, I knew he had Google on his phone. I said, uh, I said, what is the mortality rate? You know, we preachers do like to give accurate information, regardless of what the public may think. And he said it's 3.4%. That's about three and a half people per hundred. Can I share with you this morning that 100% of Christ's rejectors will burn in hell forever and ever and ever and ever. I know no other way to say it. And can I put a period on that and say that every one of us at one time or now were completely infected with a disease of sin And sin wasn't wiped out. It was simply forgiven. And a new creation put inside of us. That's why we don't always work like we're supposed to. Amen? You ever have a tool or maybe an appliance or a fan or a TV? I remember when I was a kid, the TVs, the black and whites. Some of you folks remember this. And you get up there and you get all this fuzz and haze and, and you're trying to watch something in the middle of And you just kind of get over here and give it one of them. Right? All of a sudden, man, that works with kids too sometimes. <laughs> but you know what? Today, we just get rid of it, right? We just get rid of it and get a new one. The mortality rate of those infected, Christ rejectors, is 100%. Notice in verse 38, let's stay on the script, on the message. Verse 38, the Bible says, the tares are the children of the wicked one. We have all been infected. I'm glad I'm saved sometimes. Sometimes I don't, sometimes I don't feel saved. Amen? Sometimes I don't feel married. I'm looking at this brother over here. Uh, that's a fine thing to share with a newlywed, isn't it? Not really, but, you know, when your wife does stuff, gives you that look like you're some foreigner. 
Or maybe uh, don't just burn the toast, but burns the, burns the cornbread and said, here. <laughs> I thank God I've never had that happen to me. I've had the looks, but I hadn't had the burnt cornbread, right? My wife's a good cook. She goes out of her way. She feeds me good, feeds her family good. Um, but I'm saying to you, children of the wicked one, these are lost people, folks. Now, can I go a step farther? A Christ rejecter. Now, I rejected, and I don't, don't have the time to explain all this and run every rabbit trail. I rejected Christ many times before I got saved. But it wasn't one of those, hey, I want to, hey, I don't want to have nothing to do with that man. I don't want any of that. Listen, I want to live my life. I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. Sound like some say folks, don't it? That's part of some of the problem. But I got saved. And I say to you here this morning and anybody else that may be hearing this, hey, if, if there's a dealing going on with your heart right now, listen, uh, that is the Holy Spirit of God. It ain't the Internet. If there's something going on that's stirring you, and if you're worried and you're concerned and your heart is beating a little faster and you're trying to stay calm and your palms are sweaty, you either lost or out of the will of God, Oh, you're real nervous about something else. Christ rejectors go to hell. Wherefore, as by one man, the infection came by one man. Sin entered in the world, death by sin, so death passed upon how many? All men, for that in all have sinned. I needed Jesus. I tell people this. I wish somebody had told me about nine years old. I'd like to have the home that Brother Jeremiah had. What a selfish father. Well, you heard it and I meant it. I'd like to have a mom like his mom. Role models all through the word of God, ladies. Hear Brother Jeremiah talk about his grandma. Oh, gosh, how I miss that woman. Been gone 30, 31 years, and I still think about her. Being dead yet speaketh, amen? You may not ever see your great, 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 great grandchildren, but you can have a testimony that they'll hear about and that will speak to them. Are you excited when you read about David? How many times it said after David died that God blessed his forward ancestors? His heritage, long after he died. Wow! Who wants that for you? Great, 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 great grandchildren if the Lord doesn't come back. I want that, amen? I'd like to have some of that spilling over on me, Brother Jim, today. I say to you that rich man had it all. Here. If he lived today, he'd have a nice car Probably one of them long ones, probably have several seats in it. Maybe had somebody hired to drive it. He probably would have had, uh, you know, cooks in the kitchen. Probably had a big house, probably had a long driveway. Probably either living in a gated community or his property was a gated community. Had it all here. He had all of what you and I like to have sometimes. I used to say with a lot of other preachers, ain't nothing wrong with all that. I'm going to tell you, there's something wrong with a lot of that sometimes if you worship it. 
Amen. You know what the rich man says now? I am tormented in this flame. That lady told me one time, you get too excited. I want to tell you something. I couldn't get up here if I didn't get excited. I'm not an orator. <laughs> I'm a carpenter. I'm a plumber. I'm a digger. Uh, I can do a lot of things. They read that verse where Jesus didn't read. He couldn't be heard out there on the street. I'm going to tell you, if you want to build your life on that, go ahead. I'm not. Amen. You think when Jesus looked out there and saw all these people lost and hellbound, and when he gave this parable, you think that, listen, that, that he was not excited and enthused and say, I got what you need. Open your ears. Pray for labors to get out there. And he didn't do it with a calm little voice. And he didn't have a microphone either. Rich man had it all, but now he's tormented in this flame. Harvest came for him at death. Can you remember that? And we don't know when it's going to come. Sometimes facts can be scary, but you can't run from facts, right? Finally, I want you to notice, upon the discovery of the tares, Jesus' words in verse 27. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence hath it tares? And Jesus said unto them, An enemy hath done this. An enemy hath done this. In verse 39, you look down. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but I have trouble sometimes with things I can't see. But I get scared at dark. I'm serious. I mean, I don't know what's out there, right? The devil is just as real as Christ. And, and Jesus said that here in this parable, for you and I to understand that an enemy hath done this. He's identified as the devil. And so, you know, I, we try to be smart, right? You try to be smart. When I get in my car, I, I try to sit looking out the windshield and not the back glass. And when I, when I put it in motion, I try, I try to drive forward, not backwards. I know that sounds dumb, but I'm just showing you how dumb I am. I, on purpose, I do those things. So, I don't know about you, the, the question begs to be asked. They were curious, didn't you plant good seed in your field? Children of the kingdom, saved people, Christ acceptors. And now, here are these Christ rejectors that have sprung up, and they recognize after the fruit comes forward. So, do you think the devil's smart? I think he's pretty smart. I think he makes fools out of a lot of Christians. I don't use that word lightly. My wife would get on to me if I used it. I didn't call any man fool. 
I said, the devil's made fools of a lot of Christians and all the lost people. Though the Christ rejectors put it that way. So why this covert action? Well, the Bible says that he sowed tares among the wheat. That means he scattered Christ rejectors in close association with Christians. When Brother Jeremiah had asked me about preaching um, last Sunday, I began to pray because I didn't want to mess up. You kids like to mess up? I don't either. So I wanted to get it right. I want to preach on influence. But then all this other stuff started happening with this virus and other stuff. And, 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 and actually it came by way of a phone call from someone. That God stirred my heart to shift gears to salvation. We need to be careful what we're influenced by. If you think you're not influenced by the world, may I say kindly, you are a sap. And I mean that. It's there and it will influence you. There's things you've got to put at a distance. Maybe I can preach that one next time. So why did the devil in this covert action scatter Christ rejectors in close association with Christians? Christians can't get lost, and Christ rejectors won't be saved. Literally, Christ rejectors, people that are, if you're in this room this morning and you're not saved and you had an opportunity to get saved before, you have said no to Christ. You have rejected him as I rejected him as a kid. That doesn't necessarily mean that you'll continue. And I would encourage you this morning, hey, Boy, now's the day, amen? Now's the time. So, Satan's smart. Christians can't get lost. Christ rejectors won't get saved. So here it is. I'm fixing to give you the gut punch. Listen. Satan wants your children. You don't have to nod. You don't have to amen. He wants your children. He wants all of those, not just your children, but he wants your children first. He wants all of those that could be saved. But he wants your children. And all the rest. Peter, a grown man that walked step and step with Christ. Jesus warned him face to face. Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. He wants to influence you. And he wants to influence you by the world and by the lost world and by Christ rejectors to think maybe you're going too far or you're not having enough fun or start off your verses with God doesn't want me to be without this and God's, there's nothing wrong with this. And we get to fight God over what if we had the right heart with God would say, God, you decide what glorifies you and what doesn't. You decide what influences me the wrong way and what doesn't. And through the Holy Spirit that lives in us, 
God has given us the tools to do that. John 14, 26. John 16, 13. All through the Bible, it tells about the Holy Spirit influencing us. So Satan wants your children, all who would be saved, those that have not decided yet. He wants you to lose your Christian influence. That is the greatest tool we have as saints of God. You hear preachers, you hear Brother Jeremiah mention, you hear him mentions, uh, you know, his, his mom, his mom's mom. My wife had showed me, just letting you know I'm, I am sensitive to time. Y'all look sad, man. We were going through some pictures. My wife has been on a, you ever go on a cleaning spree? An organization? How many of you ladies like to be organized? I can't really see with these lights. Isn't it good to be able to find something, amen? I spend half my time, you know, I don't spend much time out there in the shop. When I got a job to do, I'll do it. But I like to be able to find stuff, right? I spend more time trying to put stuff up where I can find it than I do actually building anything. But my wife was going through all of our pictures, trying to separate the different kids. You know, we're going to leave here one day. So we just, I said, why are you doing this? Man, you're scaring me. She said, I want my kids to be able to find stuff, and I want you to find. Wait a minute now. I definitely don't like that talk, right? We're going together. And so she's going through all this stuff in pictures. I mean, it, and she finds a card. And that card was written by a girl that got saved as a teenager in association with my wife's family and a local church there. And the card said, Dear Barbara, that's my wife. I just wanted to write this card to you. I didn't didn't have time. I didn't get it to your mom in time. She died abruptly of a disease in foreign service. Airborne, breathed it in. Ten days, she was dead. But it was her time. Three preachers came out of that family, and I was one of them. Jeremiah was one of them. And so the card said, Dear Barbara, I just felt compelled, something like this. I'm giving you the gist of it. I wanted you to know how much your mom meant to me. She said, I was going through a struggle. She said, I got saved. And her family was Methodist, and she said, my family didn't want me to be baptized, you know, submersion. And your mother was so sweet in helping me through that time, and your family was my support and friends. She didn't run away from home. She would stay there with mom and dad. And several other things she mentioned, and she put that in that little card. And that's like, 20, almost 30 years ago that she wrote that card. Testimony. Testimony. She went to my wife's family because of testimony and the friendliness of my wife's mother and her open heart towards others. Satan planted the Christ rejectors in close association with Christians to get you and I to lose our Christian influence. 
and be an advertisement for the world. Satan wants your children and all those that could be saved. Now, folks, you know as well as I do, trying to cl- I'm trying to shut this message down. That this is more serious than the coronavirus. I wish I could give you a story one by one of all the kids, not just the kids we have raised, but the kids that have come through our camp and then kids we've taken in and raised at great hardship and pain. And I wish I could tell you they're all successes. But I can't. He wants to influence you to lose your Christian influence as with Peter. I want to close with a verse. When we get saved, a lot of wonderful things happen. Amen? Never get lost again. I like that. Amen? I've been mean before. How about you? You boys all be amen. I don't look at y'all and tell that y'all been rotten before. I'm talking about after we got saved, right? You lose your temper, Jim? Lose your temper? Fly off at the handle? I'm saved and sealed, not yet delivered. When we get saved, God gives us kind of a medical degree. Did you know that? Come on, wake up. Did you know that? No. So I can't do that sitting down in the pew. I can do it up here. My time will be up in a minute. And I want to give you a verse in closing. I want you to think about this because we're about to have the invitation. I asked God before I got up here, I says, God, let me be invisible. I like to hide. Amen. <laughs> let me be invisible because I don't want to be a hindrance. But I want to say what you won't said. So as you think about this verse when I read it and as the invitation comes in behind this in a few moments, don't think of my face, don't think of the tone of my voice, don't think of my illustrations, don't think of whatever else that was unpleasant to you. I want you to think about this. If you are indeed saved this morning, you should never have a doubt. And God has given you kind of a medical degree for discernment. Amen? I can't tell about you and you can't tell about me. You can't go to the doctor. You can go to the preacher and he can counsel you, but ultimately, you got to come up with a diagnosis. And here's the verse. Examine yourselves. It's kind of like self-quarantine, right? They say that takes two weeks to find out if you're going to run a fever or show, show symptoms because you don't know. Self-examination. Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. What was I like before? What am I like now? What happened to me? What was my experience? Biblically, how does it line up? Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves that Jesus Christ is in you except ye be reprobates. I like to define the word reprobate as phony. A phony at some point will fall over in the category of a Christ rejecter if they don't realize they're a phony. So invitation, as we think about that, 
this morning, I want to give you this quick picture. I like pictures. You like pictures? I get a new book. First thing I do, I go through and look at the pictures. (laughs) Here's a picture of heaven. You know, heaven's up, right? We know where it is. Way up there somewhere. Astronauts have not found it, but we know it's there. And we know God's there. Amen? We know Jesus is on the right hand of God. Right? We know millions and millions of angels are there at God's beck and call. That they go to and fro upon the earth and we can't see them. And, and all those things. And we look down here at earth and we see this field. The world. And God's trying to help Christians to be the influence, to be a part of this great work of saving all those that would be saved. And here's what God's doing right now. Eternity is reaching all the way down to the natural, temporal man and offering eternal life. Forgive me, I'm simple-minded, but I just can't say, wow! (laughs) Eternal life. And so God says, examine yourself. If you don't have it, I'm reaching down. I mean, do you know how much we don't deserve that? You got that picture? You got it? Okay. If you have received eternal life, God wants you to be an influence to those that don't have it. Not just a bump or a pothole in the road. An influence. We could cover a lot of good teaching ground right now, but now's not the time. Now's the time to You're saved and going to heaven. You've been given a medical degree of the heart. Are you in the faith? Are you born again? You can be an influence. God wants you to be. He wants you to go to heaven. He sent the most precious thing he had. I dug a grave. Her little grandson. I'll get to see one day. His name is Gabriel. Never heard his voice. I built a little casket for him. And buried him right across the street from my house in a family plot. He's the first one there. But I know where he is. I know where he is. Is that a God? And that same God is reaching down. I'll get to see him one day. And God is offering that to you and I. Let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed and eyes.